everyone, welcome back to But Weather the Podcast, and today we have a special episode where we're going to sit down with Ryan Schaffels, the creative director of Guildhall Studios. I am Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And Ryan. That's me. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys so much for, for making time to have me on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for coming. Um, to kind of preface this, we all covered PAX South 2019, or uh, 2020, we're in 2020, oh dear. Um, PAX South 2020, one of the last conventions to go on. Um, and we got <laughs> to play Sea of Legends. More specifically, Matt and Adrian set an appointment to play Sea of Legends, and then the last day was like, yo, all group of friends, come play this game, it's amazing. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. That was like, oh, okay, we've we've done something right. If if you guys come back for more, that was that was so much fun. Yeah. Yes, thank you again. If only, if only you didn't have to fly across the country, we could have seen who won that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and the first question I wanted to ask specifically was how you all got started in the development of Sea Legends and kind of like where the inspiration for it came from, but more specifically, why a tabletop. Hmm. Okay, so that's mm, so that's almost two separate questions. So I'll, I'll kind of I'll take those one at a time, right? It's like so. How did Sea of Legends begin, and why tabletop? Uh, so I will now be speaking, I guess, also for Zach and Jordan, who are not there. So Zach and Jordan Wiseman, by the way, uh, for folks listening at home, these are my business partners, uh, and they are the co-designers of this game, Sea of Legends. So I'm going to attempt to accurately represent all their thoughts and feelings, but uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, the, the gist of it, though, is, was pretty simple. Um, it came down to a couple different things. One being that, uh, on a personal level, Zach and Jordan were just, like, kind of missing sort of classic, piratey, fantastic adventures. You know, there hasn't been a lot going on since Pirates of the Caribbean uh, came and went. Uh, also, some of the more, like, classic uh, Errol Phil Flynn films, like Captain mm -hmm. Blood. There used to be, like, a whole huge genre back in the day of pirate films. And uh, as well, though, um, they, last year, well, we had this big snowstorm basically in Seattle, and so they were stuck inside for a long time playing all these board games that they had uh, purchased and kickstarted and hadn't gotten around to playing yet. And one of those games was Western Legends, which is this sandbox board game uh, where a lot of initial inspiration came from. The idea of like, hey, you are going to be a cowboy and you can do whatever the heck you want. That seemed like a great concept to move over to pirates because like the core, like no one wants to be a real pirate. Okay, we should, we should make that clear. Like being a real pirate, you're dirty, you're gross. Uh, you're probably scurvy and yeah, scurvy. amputations. Exactly. And you're probably like a pretty unpleasant person. Your life is, uh, probably very short and the things you're doing are pretty unsavory to survive. But the fantasy of being a pirate, of getting to, you know, run your ship your own way to live by your own code, to do things, uh, you see fit on your own terms that, you know, that's what we really enjoy about pirates and that's what we're trying to capture with sea of legends and so in part you know the reason we went with a board game is because that was uh the part of the initial inspiration um but also i think it just goes to like our shared history so like for example um jordan he's been around and he's been making tabletop games since before either zach and i were born um, and he actually, he got to start working with this company called FASA, where 
he developed a game called BattleTech, uh, which has now been in run for over 30 years now. It's a battle. Uh, it's a strategic mech warfare in the 31st century and beyond. Uh, and as well, um, also a little game called Shadowrun, which is a pen and paper RPG that was uh, sort of a cyberpunk setting. Oh, wow. Have orcs and elves, yeah. Uh, but also guns and, and uh, implants. And so, like, I think that's always been percolating. And then same for Zach. Uh, he actually started uh, over at Hairbrain Schemes working as a designer on Shadowrun Returns and Golem Arcana, which was the first game that I ever got to work on <laughs> uh, as well. And so, like, we're also, like, all three of us are sort of intertwined by working on a game called the Golem Arcana, which was a tactical uh, strategy board game that utilized an app so you could track everything you were doing. You'd have this little stylus and be like, all right, I'm going to tap on this space on the board and okay, it's going to tell me it's defense and I'm going to move here. And so this idea of working on tabletop games that integrate new technology has sort of uh, been a part of like how we've all worked together in the past. And it's something that's still, I think, really exciting uh, because it's still like wide open. Uh, and so we're trying to do something new and, and this felt like the way to do it is a board game, but also an app as well. And that's something that I thought was really interesting that I know Matt brought up when he first started talking about like why we needed to come play it because I'm a big like I like books and paper and physical things and Matt was like no 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 it has an app and it's it's cool just wait um, how did you all design that app and were you because uh, I know you mentioned like doing something that is both did you have in mind the types of different audiences that you could reach by integrating those things. Yeah, well, so I think, like, on the audience end, what's really cool about, like, a game like this that's a hybrid is I think it has appeal to people who are, you know, if you're into role-playing games, like, you can get into the role-play aspect of Sea of Legends. You can really decide what kind of captain you're going to be, you know, am I a cutthroat, am I a rogue with a heart of gold, and then go from there. Um, also, I think, like, for people who are, who are more used to playing video games, I think the app sort of eases... The transition into uh, the analog world of, of dice and, and paper and cardboard uh, and sort of simplifies the process of like having these uh, these complex storylines which generally if, if you ever try out like a choose your own adventure game there's lots of good ones out there like we were inspired by uh, Above and Below uh, this War of Mine the board game uh, but they have these big books that you have to like navigate through and it can be it can be very time consuming uh, and, and clumsy uh, mm -hmm. cumbersome I would say and so the, the app has a way to reduce some of that that friction some of that difficulty of getting into a uh, choose your own adventure style game and then as well I think there's just a lot of appeal for people who want to play a board game with big pretty miniatures I mean that was that was an <laughs> it was that simple we're like we like big pretty things uh, or scary looking things like uh, that was just a a core part of the the design idea like the first time i saw this great game called rising sun it has all these awesome uh japanese inspired oni uh that you can also sort of leverage and i just was like i need to own this game even if i don't ever play it even if i don't ever figure out how to play it but i did and it was an awesome game but it was the minis that really like sucked me in in the first place yeah i mean for me i think when i'm when I'm, when we did our kind of like our review for But Why Though, I, I, I couldn't figure out. So people, someone asked me, like, what is Sea of Legends? I would have to call it multiple different games like I did in our review. So 
I feel like I've, I get like the Warhammer vibes because you got these really, really, really intricate miniatures. You got like the D and D role playing stuff. You have like the dice throw mechanics, like dice thrown, and mm-hmm. you even have like resource management, like settlers and deck building. You have all this stuff. So, if someone were to ask you, Ryan, what is your game most like? <laughs> if you needed to like hook somebody into the game, because if someone was like, what is uh, when people ask me how to what is secret Hitler like very ominous sounding game, but I'm like, oh, it's like werewolves and people are like, oh, OK, I can do that. But what is like Sea of Legends closest counterpart? Because I can never think of what it is. And I imagine you have much more depth in the tabletop. Mm, that's a that's a really good question. So I think so. First of all, I think it might depend on who I'm talking to. Uh, if I can cheat a little bit here. So like if I knew, you know, Adrian, I'm like, you're super into playing video games. I might say it's like Sea of Thieves, the board game. Yes. Um, because I think that would be the comparison <laughs> yeah. point. That is what uh, Matt said. He just said it was like Sea of Thieves, but on tabletop. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and uh, if, I, if I knew it was like, okay, uh, Kate, I know you're super into board games. So I'd be like, well, it's kind of like if you brought, you know, if you stuck above and below in western legends together that would be uh sea of legends <laughs> and so those would be sort of my my sort of core reference points because it is hard to boil down like when i when i do try to boil it down uh i'm like well it's a pirate themed narrative driven sandbox board game <laughs> and that doesn't necessarily <laughs> clear anything up <laughs> yeah i think that's what i mean for me that's one of the reasons why i wanted to come back and play it because i was like i'd never played anything like this that has so many different game elements in it but at its heart you can screw over your friends and it's really competitive, but you have all these cool story elements where you can role play as uh, female pirates and make them sound very not how they look on their pictures. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think I only sort of half answered your question, Kate. Um, so I was just going to try to uh, finish though, but the, the sort of the two parts of your question there, how did we come up with the app? I, I I don't think I really touched on that, but basically it started as a much different idea for an entirely different game um, way, way down the line. But basically we realized it had this huge potential to tell stories. Uh, and, and so basically we, we adapted a, a pre-existing piece of software and uh, rebuilt it and reformed it for our purposes. And we are very lucky to work with some really uh, awesome developers over in Canada, north of us, in Vancouver at Finger Food, and uh, they really helped us put it together and deliver everything that we wanted. Where we were like, "Hey, I want to, you know, make sure that the app knows which lovers and nemeses are in play." You know, that that was the kind of thing that we built the app for. Awesome. I know the app for me was great, just because as we talked about, like as you go farther on the game, I talked about like I'm not a fan of all having all of the books and papers, and then by like turn seventy, I'm like this is a chore just to roll dice and figure out what everything is anymore. So having the app was nice. Um, but also I guess going into like the narrative stuff, like obviously we have its pirates, but you all I believe selected a certain region to try to have your pirates and kind of base with some nice lore and everything. I don't know if you want to get into that now. Sure, yeah, like, so, like, the setting itself, um, so, for Sea of Legends, it's set in the Caribbean, but it it is a bit of an alternate history, uh, there's some magic, and there are myths that come to life, so, while, you know, the colonial forces and occupying groups are there, like, you've got the Spanish and the English, uh, playing a predominant role, um, we also have, uh, different factions that represent different powers, um, and different mythologies and different sort of uh, worldviews as well. So, like, that means, you know, we can have 
uh, actually we have a really awesome uh, return for the Aztec Empire where Quetzalcoatl uh, <laughs> is, is leading these uh, sort of guardian statues uh, to rebuild the Lost Empire, or we have uh, the children of Tlaloc who are uh, also Aztec-inspired, and they are sort of this lost, hidden civilization. We have Atlantis returning uh, to the surface. We've got zombie conquistadors. Uh, we've got um, some even some indigenous folklore inspiring uh, this creature called the Stikini, which is a witch who vomits out her organs and becomes this <laughs> sort of harpy-like owl beast. So yes, there is all sorts of things you have not seen from a, a typical pirate game, because we like we like cool cool creatures. So all I'm hearing is that we need to have Sea of Legends, but the video game here pretty soon, <laughs> because all of that sounds amazing and put me in that world. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would love to. Yes, this, uh, uh, all we need to do is just uh, sell all the copies of the game, and then <laughs> uh, we can do whatever we want. Hashtag Team Merfolk. Uh, sort of put that out there because um, I, I just to build on Matt's question and from the way you explained it too is like I think that it's really interesting because I, I can't think of many other games that are in the in the Caribbean or more specifically with that like South American Mesoamerican like mm-hmm. um, foundation what types of research did you all put into building out these myths obviously adapting them to a new narrative into a new game yeah, so this the thing is, like, A, so it's like we wanted to include these myths and these stories because we definitely see them being underrepresented in media as a whole, you know, not just in games. Uh, but that does require you need to, you know, you need to know what you're talking about. Um, so there's a couple of ways that we, we sort of uh, attack this. Basically, on our own, we tried to, tried to do our own research, our own internet sleuthing, uh, <laughs> but... You know, we knew that we could have blind spots where we might miss stuff. Um, so what was really helpful, though, was to work with folks who have already uh, worked in these sort of spaces. So mm-hmm. bringing on, um, we were really lucky to work with some really awesome folks who just do, like, sensitivity readings and just focus on, like, cultural research. And and they work with game companies to be like, hey, uh, <laughs> no, you're completely mis- <laughs> misinterpreting this. Uh and also they've been able to connect us with other writers where um, we've got to work with this, oh my gosh, this really awesome writer uh, who her specialization was in, uh, for a while, in Aztec myth. And she, like, I remember when I first started talking to her, she was like, oh yeah, I wrote this article 10 years ago for Strange Horizons about, like, <laughs> how sacrifice is actually used in Aztec uh, culture and, like, ways it is it is mistaken uh, in popular media. And I was like, okay, this, then you're someone we need to work with. Uh, that's and so that, I mean, that's, that's what it really comes down to is like we, you know, Zach and I and Jordan, you know, we try to do what we can, but at the end of the day, you need to find people who really, who really know this space and can represent it appropriately. And so that's just, we've really worked on building a writing team that can handle uh, a bunch of different, histories and uh, mythologies so i guess like going i guess into the narrative we've been talking about wine thing but i guess why was it integral for you all to make sure you had this narrative and i guess these themes in the game if that makes sense (laughs) 
Mm. Like, okay, to even back up a step further, like, why narrative at all? Or yeah, well, yeah, why, why narrative at all? Because obviously we said mm-hmm. this was kind of a sandbox. It was pirates. You can do kind of whatever you'd like, be whatever type of pirate you like, but you want to make sure that the narrative aspect was in there. And then obviously you all have done quite a bit of research, it seems like, to, you know, make sure all this stuff was correct. But I was just wondering, like, in a sandbox type game, where, you know, you kind of allow the player to do what they'd like, why do you want to make sure mm-hmm. to have this part in there? Mm. Well, I think, like, <laughs> I think on a personal level, it's just, like, this is the kind of game we wanted to see and play. Like, <laughs> the, like truthfully, I think that's where it starts. You're like, well, I love story elements in games. I love storytelling games. And I love games that make uh, storytelling more approachable. Like, in some mm-hmm. ways, I think a traditional RPG can be really intimidating, um, but this can potentially be a game for people who want to experience something similar, uh, but don't want to get that far into the deep end. Um, on the other hand, like despite my personal biases, we built the game from the ground up to support players who are not interested in the story aspects. So mm-hmm. uh, you can, if you choose, you break my heart, but you could skip all the narrative <laughs> content and, and play it as like a minis and card game uh, if you want. But we think what, is really going to stick with people then the idea is like both the stories they're experiencing but really the larger narrative that's created uh this sort of emergent narrative of you playing through the stories and interacting with the other players and you're like oh well you were being chased by hordes of the undead i was busy making you know an alliance with the merfolk and then ah kate stole my key item that said (laughs) that we were best friends with merfolk and then all of a sudden she won the game like that's that's the kind of uh, the sort of stories I want players to come away with uh, when they're done. I just think it wouldn't be the same without that narrative context to give names and feelings to the places you're exploring. And I think one of the things that I really enjoyed when uh, in our playthrough was the mechanic of having both a villain for yourself individually as well Mm -hmm. as a romance option. Because I'm not going to lie, and I don't know if it's a stereotype, but I love romance games. I love romancing people. It is so fun. So (laughs) when I saw that that was in there, I was like, oh, that's really cool. But then at the same time, I can't just go off. I mean, I, I have to balance it you know, or I wanted Mm -hmm. to balance it between the villain and the romance. And when you all were building out those narrative steps and those narrative choices, how hard was that to integrate that? Because it's not just me going on a on a side quest or a main quest, I can also go and I can also go and woo somebody and I can also like try to vanquish my enemy. Um, Those are a lot of uh, narrative threads to kind of follow. Yes, uh, I would say we had to make a lot of mistakes to find the right balance, <laughs> truthfully. There was just a lot of trial and error. Um, and we figured out like some methods where we can be like, well, you know, w- we were able to kind of do some fun, easy things to be like, hey, we know that actually of all the nemeses in the game, there are four different types of nemeses. And so we can say there's a thief, a noble, a barfly uh, and a brute and we'll say okay these are our four rough archetypes and so we know like they're gonna go to these types of adventures uh, and they have these kind of things to offer and then we can sort of further personalize them uh, along the way with with some of the technology in the app but then like on a more general sense it like from a game balance perspective well we had to just like figure out uh well if a adventure gives you three points of notoriety does that make it just better than everything or worse than everything and so it was 
really at the end of the day, like we would play test and we would we would be like, okay, we're gonna log every single type of action that players take during <laughs> okay. the game, and then we're gonna see how that correlates with winning. And so we would see like, oh no, adventures aren't giving enough rewards. They're not giving enough gold, they're not giving enough items. So even if they are giving the same amount of notoriety as other types of actions, like they still could be leaving the player behind in other ways. And so that that was like sort of kind of tracking we had to do to uh, tune that and make sure that it was actually worth your time. That's awesome. Um, I think the other thing too that I have to ask, because uh, some of the some of the pirates were insanely attractive. Uh, what <laughs> what went into designing? Because uh, we've talked about some of the creatures, but what went into des- uh, designing the character cards uh, and mm. just how the pirates themselves look? Because they each have very different and distinct personalities, uh, just from when you look at their costuming and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I think in part, uh, like yourself. I had a real desire to romance uh, all the characters in our game. Uh, so that's, that's where it comes from. I think the more I worked on this game, the more I wanted it to be a pirate dating simulator. Yes! <laughs> uh, but on top of that, like, you know, we knew going into it like that, that the characters would either be, most characters would either become a lover or nemesis. They're, they're two-sided. And so we wanted them to be attractive in different ways um and we wanted them to be uh you know hopefully exciting options for all the players but like when it comes to like the design like we would have some ideas uh for like you know these are key things like axe fist he's got an axe for a hand (laughs) (laughs) pretty simple uh but then then the artist really like takes that and runs with it so you know we try to give them just enough information to sort of get them the artist going like jocelyn Malay uh, was is our lead artist, and he's done really amazing work to like just take all of our ideas and make them way cooler and m- way more stylish and way more sexy than we ever imagined. That's awesome. I just loved those arms. I don't remember what her name was. But oh, she had Clara amazing- the yes. Smith. She had yeah. amazing arms. Those are goals. <laughs> yes, she's got real guns, and like that was the thing too. Is like we just like wanted to play a little bit with like the traditional notions of like well who's a lover and who's Mm -hmm. a nemesis and like how are these characters depicted and like i you know representation matters like i I won't say like you know there's three white people running this company but representation still matters (laughs) and we've tried to build a more diverse uh writing and art team uh to make sure that we're like putting that diversity in our game in a really authentic way I guess since we, because we played last time at PAX South, um, that mm-hmm. was January, all oh, that feels so long ago. Um, Years but, ago. Yeah. Um, is there any, I guess, has there any been any updates or anything that you all have added towards the game for like the final product that we did not get to see that you would like to talk about at all? Ooh. Um, well, there's very boring stuff, like which is quality of life bug fixing uh, in the app, uh, but important stuff. And uh, we've also integrated uh, a few more adventures into the app and we'll be continuing to do that as we uh, roll out the basically as we get ready for the Kickstarter we're going to continue to add more content so that uh, everyone who's playing the game all our reviewers and previewers and other media folks get to see some different stuff uh, yeah let's see we've got ooh, we've got new some new lovers some new uh, captain stuff that we didn't get to really play with at PAX South um, as well, we've been testing and playing with more of the new factions. So we've been playing a lot with the Atlanteans and with the British Empire. 
And so uh, we're just trying to make sure all that stuff is going to be awesome for players to play when they actually get the game um, after launch. Yeah, it's insane. So like even with all the stuff that we played and we played on two different days and I don't know if if you felt this way, Matt, but it felt like different games in terms of like what happened was happening because we had more players and it just seemed like the repellability was really there even from I'm assuming after all the stuff you just mentioned because we didn't see none of that cool stuff (laughs) additionally. uh, This game is going to have ridiculously replayability value and if you're updating stuff in the app, it seems that we're going to get more and more stuff throughout. Was that like an intentional thing just to have like the max replayability so people just play this game to the end of time? Because that's what it seems like. like yes. I, don't, <laughs> I can't imagine any two games literally ever being the same. I don't know if we'll ever get to uh, each adventure and each story. And I think this really comes down to like the app just being so huge. And like Matt said, not having to do like the choose your own adventure thing where we have to like flip back with pages. It's all on an app. And I'm just really excited for all the. Re- I don't even really have a question. I just want to know <laughs> well, thank how you. much thank replayability you. is going to be in this game. I just wanted to stress that to our listeners. This game is going to be more. I think this might be replayed more in my um, circles than any other game we have. Really, that that is great to hear. I mean, that a hundred percent is a goal of the game. Is we wanted it to feel different every time you played it. And uh, so, yeah, a lot goes into that. So you guys got to see two of the uh, total factions. And so we're hoping when the Kickstarter goes live and everything goes well, that uh, if we hit our all stretch goals, we're going to have eight different factions that you can mix and match, um, plus all the other adventures uh, for all the other characters. So you're looking at like we're cramming like this big 700 page book into the app, uh, hoping that, you know, this is going to be a game that people can play for a long time. Uh, and if someone does exhaust it, then it's going to be a good sign because it means they played the heck out of it. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I guess just to help, because I know Kate's going to eventually ask this, how many lovers do you all have right now as options? You what know me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, right now you're looking at uh, eight in the base game. Um, we, I think we're going to have another eight as stretch goals. I get to romance so many attractive people. Double the amount of romance. (laughs) How many of them are soft boys? (laughs) Mm. Am I using that right? You are using that that correct. (laughs) Let me Google that term really quick. (laughs) Just a very, very sensitive man. A very sensitive man who is not like... You know, there's like an e-boy, which is another turn, and then there's the mm-hmm. f-boy, and then there's a soft boy who is just like all in his feels. Why do we have yes. these terms? I'm with Ryan. Ask the no internet. Okay. I'm sorry. We I need only a, know what that term is because I follow our Kate anime on characters. I'm sorry. Oh. Like Alucard from Castlevania is a soft boy. Mm. <laughs> okay, I'm understanding this archetype. Yes, I'm looking through Google Images. It is becoming clear. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I that's actually a good question. I I'd say maybe maybe you could expect at least one soft boy in okay. the bunch. How I which that I know that that was a joke question, but that does bring in a really good question as for like character <laughs> archetypings, both across mm-hmm. pirates and romances and nemesis. How did you? I mean, are there? Do they all play completely differently? Is there a common trend between them? Like, a, did you archetype them? Archetype them out? We did. Not necessarily uh, whether they are soft boys, hard boys, or anywhere in between. Uh, But maybe we should have. 
There's still time. Uh, but no, so it goes back to like whether, um, you know, regardless of like gender, basically there are four uh, core archetypes around them. You know, if you're, if you're a thief type character, uh, there are many different expressions of the thief. Um, so the thief is motivated by the money, uh, by stealing riches, by earning things in ways that are unsavory. Uh, but there's different kinds, so there might be more like, oh, well, I was the formerly a, a trained assassin, and now I've turned to thieving, or uh, maybe I'm kind of a Robin Hood type character, and I'm all about stealing from the rich, given to uh, the poor, who just happened to also help me elude the authorities, or maybe you're a character like Magpie, who's just a little <laughs> weird, and he's got lots of birds that he commands, <laughs> and he likes stealing shiny things from people. So there's there's a lot of rooms for variation inside each archetype. That's awesome. See, look, Adrian, your joke question about my soft boys turned into a great question. Hey, it was that wasn't a joke question. That was a Sate Kate Sate Kate Sate Kate up for an amazing question. See, we're a team. It was a great question. No one's ever asked me that question, and so shame on everyone else. I will say. When we review the game, I will do a list and uh, break them down into their different boy types. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that would be really useful. I have a feeling w we could use a classification like that. <laughs> I just really like romancing, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I know we talked a lot about the romancing, but I think one of the coolest features about this game is that it's one of those games, it's a game, I don't know any other game that's like this, like where you're competing against your your friends, but you're also competing against the NPCs. And at one point you might have to come together to go against the NPCs. And it's just like really like balancing of one turn can kind of change everything. And you, one of the coolest balancing features is when the NPCs move, everyone gets a turn to kind of move the NPCs. Mm. So it's like a constant, like don't make anyone too mad or they might <laughs> attack you, but also don't give the NPCs too much power. So what comes into that kind of just crazy dynamic of, balancing all of that like do you just like do you like chaos <laughs> what it feels like. i mean definitely like i love the flow of the game between you know pvp everyone's out for themselves to like oh suddenly it's pve and we're like oh my gosh if another port gets infested by the undead like we all lose um so that sort of like tug and uh sort of push and pull of alliances and uh, makeshift alliances at that to me is really interesting in this idea of a game all about the freedom to be the pirate you want to be. Well, you know, there's still the rest of the world is moving and going on without you. Uh, and so that, that had a lot of appeal to us and partially for the, for the chaos and then partially for the strategic factor of like, Hey, do you want to like have everyone band together and try to figure out like what is the best possible move for all the NPCs to make? Should you, you know, should you have uh, the merfolk go to war against the undead? Should you have the Spanish swoop in to help save a town that's uh, being currently infested? I think those choices are all really interesting, especially if you're a player like me though, who's pretty petty and will probably just use the NPCs uh, to get revenge on the other players at the table, regardless of us all losing or not. <laughs> I don't know anybody like no, that. No, who would ever play like that? I don't know. <laughs> I may have attacked Kate a bunch of times. Sorry, Kate. I'm just scared of you when we play board games together because you're really good. So I just try to kill you whenever we play games now. I'm not really good. Matt's really good. I just mess it up. I just mess it up for everybody once I realize I'm losing. I wouldn't qualify that as good. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, so what can we expect? Uh, so when is the game launching? How can people follow it, get in, get, get in on the Kickstarter? And what are some of the, I guess, your favorite goals of when people donate? Ooh, <laughs> Ooh okay. So first of all, uh, Sea of Legends will be hitting Kickstarter on April 7th. That's a Tuesday. And uh, we're looking to launch between, I think, about uh, six or seven months hopefully afterwards to get that to everyone who's backed. Now there is, there are some complications which we acknowledge uh, in our Kickstarter because of COVID-19. So everyone should just yes. be aware that actually has a really real effect uh, on the games industry as most yeah. games are in fact made yes. in China. Yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> otherwise, just putting that out there, I, I think we I, all that's a real had... buzzkill. Well, no, no, I mean, I, I, it, it is a really valid thing. And I don't think a lot of the a lot of people aren't talking about like the small business impacts of it as mm. well. And, you know, stuff like this. So, I mean, I think it is important. It just like it just hit me how like how sad it is for games. Mm hmm. <laughs> You mean, yeah. you mean you're not sculpting these miniatures by hand, Ryan? <laughs> I don't think you Come want on, me man. to. <laughs> uh, but for all my my uh, insights about uh, the, or all our insights about the Kickstarter uh, or other <laughs> other such implications, uh, you can, by the way, find us at Guildhall Studios on Instagram, Guildhall Studios on Facebook, Guildhall Studio no S on Twitter because of the character limit. <laughs> Uh, and we will be, yeah, our Kickstarter um, preview page is up if you want to uh, actually slam, smash, click that, uh, <laughs> that button to be notified when it goes live. But those are, those are all the places you can find us, get updates. Um, you know, we'll be keeping people uh, abreast of everything going on as the Kickstarter is going on. And afterwards, we'll be sending out updates. So we're going to just communicate as it develops and uh, you know, you're all, you're all part of this ride. Awesome. Um, I guess my last final thought is um, I will say uh, thank you again for allowing us to play it twice. I enjoyed it. Um, it was definitely an interesting thing because I had had a conversation. I just want to say that I had a conversation with somebody earlier that morning at PAX South going, cause they had felt they were um, they're like, Oh, I got stuck with a tabletop. I was like, Oh, I always check things. I never get bamboozled into playing tabletops. Um, <laughs> and then I realized, Oh, I've been bamboozled into playing tabletops. <laughs> <laughs> so like, oh, it's a beta. But no, then I went and played it, and I thought it was a lot of fun, and uh, it was really enjoyable. And it was definitely a, I guess, it was a very, I guess, unique tabletop experience. And I will say, just from person who obviously likes it, tries not to get bamboozled in tabletops, having that app aspect to like speed everything up, or I mean, speed everything up, or just kind of make things simpler. And just obviously, I just like pirates in general. Why? I was there. Um, <laughs> some people do want to be a pirate. Um, they don't mind if they have an eye patch. It's fine. Um, but no, I uh, just want to say, like, uh, thank you again for, I mean, obviously allowing us to come back, but also, you know, making this game because I I was just came away very impressed, and I do not have not done a single tabletop in, like, doing cons for, like, two years, and you were the first and the only one I've come back to at this point. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well thank you those are honestly i'm like honored by those words that's such like i'm so glad we bamboozled you um, i hope we can bamboozle more people uh, tabletop games can be you know intimidating or they can be cumbersome sometimes and we're, we're but we just i don't know i love the experience like i love video games i love tabletop games i love all games um but there's just something to me about coming around the table with your friends face to face 
to goof around uh, over a board game that like there's that's that's special to me. I guess that's why I do it. That just can't be recre- recreated in any other medium. That's um, awesome. So we'll we'll keep we'll keep tricking people. <laughs> and I do want to like preface in the most this. wholesome way. When we went for the second time, it wasn't just we showed up for like a thirty minute appointment. It was we played until Ryan and Zach had to actually tell us, "Hey guys, <laughs> we have to go to the airport, so we need to pack up now." <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I think we got far enough where you were like, "Wait, we don't have that card <laughs> yet." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Slow down, people. Relax. <laughs> Uh, but thank you so much for sitting down to talk with us. I mean, I loved the game. Adrian, do you have any final thoughts or any last questions? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I have any real final thoughts. I think we kind of covered everything. I think if you want um, any more thoughts of that we had, I think that we, we might not have covered. We all wrote um, a little write-up on butwhythepodcast.com that I think really kind of covers why this game is so cool and why it's so special. So I'm just really excited to play it again, you know, with Matt and Kate, with like our other friends and with my parents who are big into tabletop now. Like I just want it. Can it be six months to eight months from now already? (laughs) Uh, I'll work. I'll work. We'll also work on the time machine, I guess, or, or whatever. The good news is we are always slowly progressing through time. (laughs) I will say if, uh, and I have to put an if because of the current state of things, but if PAX West happens and y'all are there, we will be spending at least one day playing games with you because <laughs> I really want to play oh, this game yes. again. <laughs> awesome. We will absolutely, uh, if Pax West exists, we will be around for it. Since it is in our backyard, there's there's no reason not for us to be there. Um, and we'd love to play with you guys again. And we'll be sending you all uh, a copy for your uh, review to see what you think uh, before or during the Kickstarter. I guess whenever that sort of timing uh <laughs> works out <laughs> awesome well thank you so much um i know you plugged where people can follow guild hall but uh do you want to let people know where they can find you sure yes uh if you like uh threads about books uh selfies with cats <laughs> and occasional talk about games and other things uh you can follow me at ryan Shapples on twitter that's just r-y-a-n-s-c-h-a-p-a-l-s uh, yeah, so follow me there. But more importantly, check out all the stuff from Guildhall. And thank you all, Kate, Matt, Adrian. Really fun talking with you all about Sea of Legends. Like, I love the enthusiasm. I love that y'all are some of, like, the most experienced Sea of Legends players <laughs> on the on the planet right now. There we go. We are the, the top 1% Sea of Legends players. Exactly. We're killing it. You are defining the metagame. 